don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skylar. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who watches Lost. Hi. Welcome to All the Best Podcasts Have Daddy Issues, a podcast about whether or not Lost is a good TV show. I'm your host, Nolan Pavlich. And I'm Emma May. And we are here to talk about Season 2, Episode 2, Adrift. Emma, first impressions on this episode, how how you feeling with it? I liked it. I like that it's the second episode of the second season, and we're jumping into a Michael, mm-hmm. you know, centered flashback episode. I love that. Um, it gives me hope for the coming season that he's maybe a little bit more center to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we'll get into it on the on our episode today, but I do really like the. That we get that other perspective of inside the hatch. I think that's pretty cool. Um, I always like it when TV shows kind of add that little extra perspective from different characters. So um, mm-hmm. overall, I thought it was good. How do you feel about it? Uh, yeah, good. I I like I like this episode fine. It's not one of my favorites. Um, I agree that it's really nice that they're starting off with a Michael episode. Uh, this one was supposed to be a Sawyer episode. That's what they had planned, and they, uh, the flashbacks that they had written for it were were not, I guess, up to the quality standard, is what they said, uh, what the showrunner said, either Damon Lindelof or Carlton Cuse. Um, so they like fully scrapped it. They actually had seen shot out of the Tallahassee job, which is mentioned in Sawyer's uh, episode with uh, Robert Patrick. I'm so curious what they scrapped. I know. Just I would given, love to like, see what it. We've seen. <laughs> I know. Some of the duds, at this so. at this point, it, there's no way it's ever coming out. Like it's yeah. gotta have just been burned because so much like extra features and that kind of stuff has been put out already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm interested too on like why that would even be a Sawyer episode. Just because it's like, what is Sawyer? Like, what is Sawyer going through right now? Just that he's been shot. Yeah. <laughs> Michael is so much more obviously like. The more interesting person to have it be focused on, mm-hmm. having just lost his kid. But yeah, the flashbacks, in my opinion, are like fine. They are basically just a repeat of the previous Michael episode, which is a bummer. I would like, I just would like them to explore him a little bit more than just him being Walt's father. Yeah, I would love some more insight into like, because we really don't know what his life is like at all. Like, every time we've seen him, he's been in a lawyer's office or in a hospital or right. uh, at Brian's. Like, we've seen him in his house once, and we really don't get any sense of, like, what his life is like, you know, uh, in just in a normal set, in a normal day. And so. we'll touch on it, too, but just the fact that Susan keeps bringing up, like, oh, you're such a talented artist. We never <laughs> see him do anything artistic. Like I know. Yeah, that seems like a... There know. should be at least one scene where he is making... He's gluing some macaroni to some <laughs> construction paper or yes. something. Yeah, um, for Walt, yeah. Yeah, I, and yeah, the other stuff... I mean, I like the element of of seeing the other perspective in the hatch. I will say, like, I... It happens... The fact that it's just the next episode makes me feel like it... It should have just all been part of the first episode. 
Yeah, I hear um, that. Like, if, if it was something that, like, there was some revelation here that, like, could have been, like, pushed further down the line, I wouldn't have hated seeing it then. Mm-hmm. It just, I would have preferred this episode to be almost more focused on Michael. Because I, I really think, especially all the stuff with, like, Jack going back to the caves last episode so that he could make his little speech and then immediately abandon it. I think all of that could have just probably, it, it doesn't really matter for the show at all. Like, it could easily have just been cut, and we could have gotten the, the Locke and Kate stuff, but it is, like, entertaining to watch. Like, Terry O'Quinn uh, kills it this episode, I think. Yeah. I think that's valid. I think that's a fair point, that they could have just done it all, because they didn't touch on Michael and Walter, the raft, or anything, really, last episode, so... Right. It would make sense to make it more centered around that, instead of kind of backpedaling a little bit. Or whatever you want to yeah. call it. Yeah. But yeah, well, let's let's get into it. So this episode aired September 28th, 2005. It was uh, directed by Stephen Williams, who did All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues. Uh, and it is written by Stephen Maeda and uh, Leonard Dick, uh, who had done In Translation and The Greater Good. We open on the raft wreckage. Everybody's in the water. Um, Sawyer... Here's Jin and Michael screaming, but he decides to go for Michael and is able to get him onto some uh, floating bamboo. We see Sawyer giving Michael CPR. Michael uh, calling out for Walt once he's resuscitated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we dive into our first flashback. So we find ourselves in a lawyer's office in New York. Michael is speaking with a lawyer who is played by Saul Rubinick. Uh, He has a pretty interesting history just before he became an actor. He was born in a refugee camp in Germany and ended up learning theater from his dad. Both of his parents survived the Holocaust and his dad ran a Yiddish theater company. He came to Canada where he started coming up as an actor. He has over 170 acting credits. Which is yeah. crazy. He's been in almost everything, including True Romance, which I thought was kind of interesting. But it's always fun when you when you look through someone's IMDb and you just realize, like, oh, you've been given uh, every every single part you've been given. You've just said yes. Yeah, I'll exactly. Take it. <laughs> yeah, um, that's definitely Saul. Um, yeah. So uh, Michael is speaking with his lawyer. They're, the office is really small, very disheveled. Um, at one point, he calls Michael by the incorrect name. You know, just has that look about him of just not a very competent lawyer. Um, and he also knows it too. And he knows he doesn't, it. Like, call it out. Yeah, <laughs> like, and he calls like, it yeah. out. You're here because you can't afford any better than me, mm-hmm. um, which I respect. I respect that, you know? Basically, Michael is seeing him because Susan wants him to sign away his rights as a father so Brian can officially adopt Walt. And Michael really wants to stop the process, but his lawyer even explains that it's really like David and Goliath. Um, it's, a, it's a big ask. And, um, you know, ask him point blank if he wants to do it. And Michael tells him that he does. He wants to fight this in in court. So he's moving forward with it. Um, But things seem a little hopeless. So this for me is part of my issue with this episode. Um, I don't necessarily need all the legal stuff in a TV show to be accurate. And it's probably much more interesting when it isn't. 
Hmm. But because this is so central to, like, why Michael, you know, gave up his rights uh, for Walt, I think it's kind of important that, like, Susan leaving and taking Walt and Michael giving up his rights are just two completely separated, unconnected issues. Um, He doesn't have to give up his rights for her to go, and him holding on to the rights doesn't stop, like, her and Brian from having a family. So, like, it's just this very weird... uh, It doesn't 100% make sense that they're just being conflated so much in this. And I also think it kind of... It puts it all on Susan because she's the unreasonable one in this. She she doesn't have a real reason to get to ask Michael to give up his rights. Besides just she's his bitch ex. Like yeah. that's really that's really it. And it I don't know, it just doesn't it doesn't jive right with me. I don't I don't love it. I think that's very fair. And we've talked about how one dimensional Susan is too. They put really very mm-hmm. little effort into her character. Uh, But yeah, at no point do any of the lawyers try to negotiate or bargain, which I feel like is really, I don't know, would have made it more realistic. But yeah, and it is also interesting to see like (laughs) those kind of negotiations are fun to watch Mm -hmm. on TV. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's a bummer too, because the actor that plays her, whose name escapes me, but uh, she's very good. Like (laughs) I've seen her on other stuff and she's done a great job. They just don't Mm -hmm. give her much. Yeah. She somehow has less interiority than Michael, which is impressive. Uh, Back on the raft, um, Michael is shouting out for Walt. Uh, Sawyer tells him to save his energy because Walt is long gone, but Michael says, look, the only thing I have right now is the idea that my son might hear me, so I'm just going to keep shouting for him uh, so that he knows that I'm coming after him. Walt, for sure, long gone, cannot hear him, but that's uh, a fair... A fair uh, thought, I think. Mm-hmm. We see Locke exploring the hatch. He goes into uh, <laughs> he goes into the weird like industrial area that is there before the living space, and he he takes off his shoes. So oh the God. mystery of why were these shoes there explained from yeah. last episode. It's so gross that he's walking around in wet socks. That like took me out of the episode a little bit. Just yes. seeing all the dampness, and then his. Shockingly well, it was white crazy. <laughs> well, yes, of course. His he cracked open a can of of Hanes socks yeah. <laughs> to get these beautiful, pristine. Um, so kind of interesting when he takes off of his shoes and steps onto the floor. Somehow, I, the viewer, got tetanus. Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> um, yeah, very gross. He's walking around in uh, the nastiest socks. Um, imaginable for the rest of this episode and i think it's important to remember that he sees on an electrical box a dharma logo it's like an octagon with the word dharma on it and a little symbol um i imagine we will see more of that uh later but i guess that's just a little bit of a tease he also looks around the living space there's you know the dining area he sees some simulated sunlight and is kind of checking it out uh desmond is nowhere to be found he sees kate in the computer room, goes to check up on her, but Desmond sneaks up behind him with a big old rifle and asks Locke the question, are you him? Meanwhile, on the raft, Sawyer is calling for Jin, and Michael is starting to blame him as if he's feeling guilty for firing the flare. This, I mean, 
It's obviously unfair to blame Sawyer. Uh, everybody yeah. on the raft thought rescue was coming. Like, with all the information they have, it would have been insane to know that a boat was there and not fire that flare. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, I think this is fair in terms of, like, this is probably what Michael's reaction would be. Like, right now he's just looking for anybody to blame but himself. Mm-hmm. And if there's anybody on this island that you can blame for stuff, it's Sawyer. So He's a good punching bag. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because he'll just take it, too. Mm-hmm. He'll just give you a, the evilest glare. He tells Sawyer to get off his raft, uh, which I would say at this point, it is not a raft and it's not really his anymore. <laughs> Something bangs up against the raft from underneath. We get an overhead shot where we see like a big old Jaws-sized shark. Um, <laughs> Sawyer pulls out his gun and Michael says, hey, this gun won't work because you were underwater. Which, like, Sawyer wasn't underwater for that long. Even if he was, this isn't really true. Uh, you, it, like, if it was, like, submerged under the water for a while, like, yeah, it would probably stop working. Um, but a modern gun like that is fine for under, like, he would have been able to fire a few rounds underwater, probably. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Sawyer pulls out all of the bullets. This is insane to me. Why would you <laughs> he, do this? <laughs> There, I mean, even ignoring that something is bumping up underneath it, you are, like, on a raft in the middle of the ocean, just swaying with the waves. But he pulls out all of his bullets, I guess, to find a dry one. Um, and uh, then, of course, the shark bumps the raft again, and he drops all of them. Uh, and <laughs> uh, Michael blames Sawyer for the shark, because Sawyer is bleeding out of his shoulder. Um, and Sawyer says that you know, says, hey, did you forget why I got shot? I was trying to protect everybody. And Michael says, uh, no, you're just trying to save yourself. So Sawyer goes to another piece of debris that they find and says he was just trying to save Walt. I think blaming Sawyer for the shark is also extremely yeah. funny. Um, also, Sawyer, I, I, Josh Holloway does a good job this episode. That I mean, having constant seawater pouring into an open bullet wound would be excruciating um yeah and he does seem like he's in pain literally the entire episode mm-hmm. um i love uh michael and sawyer's little like domestic disputes this yes episode. yeah i think they do a really good job of you know it's serious but it's also pretty light too right then we get our second flashback um and now they're in a massive room uh with all the mm-hmm. lawyers susan's representation there is there um law books surrounding them just to show how much better these lawyers are than michael <laughs> yeah um one thing i thought was kind of interesting uh is that there's a schooner sailing ship in the office too um that's kind of centered in a few of the shots um more so in the the next flashback but uh, I noticed it in this one, too. Hmm. Um, Susan's lawyers are really baiting Michael into getting upset, and he's taking it. Uh, they bring up that Susan paid for his hospital bills after he got hit by the car. Um, I think the final nail in the coffin was asking Michael, you know, what Walt's first words were and what his favorite food is. Uh, Michael can't answer, um, but he does weekly tell them that he's Walt's father, which they make him repeat. Ugh, that was so icky. Yeah. This whole Extremely scene hard so to gross. watch. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Harold Perrineau does a really good job in it. Yes, yeah, he kills it. Like, you definitely feel how broken he is. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think the favorite food question is funny, because, like, the idea of knowing a baby's favorite food, like, that changes by the minute, essentially. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you could have a toddler who, like, will only eat dinosaur chicken nuggets, and then the next day they'll never eat them again because they don't like them. Like, Mm -hmm. but yeah, the... Uh, heartbreaking. Heartbreaking to watch this guy who has not been allowed to be near his kid have to, I guess, face the punishment for it. Mm-hmm. There is a great... I mean, yeah, like you said, it's obviously a dire situation, but the image of Sawyer and Michael still having to be like 10 feet from each other because they're just caught in the same current is pretty funny. Yeah. But Sawyer, on his raft, uh, pulls out the bullet with his fingers, with his bare fingers. What a cowboy. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's a cowboy for sure. I mean, truly, there should have been a different cowboy that came and sucked it out. Uh, that's <laughs> the real. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously, this is also completely. I mean, once the bullet is in there, I, there's damage it could do, but like, there's no damage it could do to Sawyer that would be as immediate and bad as the infection as the infection that he like 100 percent just gave himself. Yeah. Like, he's losing that arm. I hate to say it, Sawyer, but you're losing that one. Back in the hatch, Locke tells Desmond, yes, uh, I'm him. Uh, So, you know, basically, I'm the one you've been waiting for. Uh, Desmond is happy at first, but then he realizes, like, hey, what is Kate doing here? And so he asks Locke, what did one snowman say to the other snowman? Locke doesn't know the answer to this. I also Uh, do not know the answer to this. Yeah, I do know the answer to this. It's a very dumb dad joke, uh, and I believe we will find out the answer later as the show goes on, so I won't give it away. <laughs> Desmond asks them what they're doing there. They explain about the plane crash. It has, up till this point, been 44 days. So Desmond tells Kate to tie up Locke, uh, and Locke convinces Desmond to let him ca- tie up Kate instead. Uh, this is really weird. Like, it makes sense for Locke, um, because Locke, I mean, Locke is correct in that Kate definitely can escape better than he can, but I just think it's so funny for Desmond uh, to be like, all right, I have these two captives. I'm going to have one of them tie up the other. Yeah. And then, like, the, and then Locke, like, reasons with him, saying, no, she's a fugitive. Uh, she's the dangerous one. And then Desmond's like, Oh, okay, yeah, I guess I'll just believe this guy I have at gunpoint. Right. Um, I just think that's so funny. The look <laughs> on Kate's face is so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, delicious. she looks like, oh, she looks like okay. she's about to, like, commit murder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it was like that, John. All right, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, he does uh, take, he does manage to sneak his knife um, into the front of her jeans, uh, which is impressive because those... Uh, there should not be any room for anything else in those jeans. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's weird and uncomfortable, and we'll have more to say about that yeah. later, I suppose. We see the scene with Jack and Hurley again back at the caves. You know, like I said, I didn't really care about this too much last episode. Definitely don't care about it now. Uh, Charlie and Claire have a little conversation this time. They wonder what's going on. Charlie says, oh, Jack's going to do something heroic. Claire finds his Virgin Mary statue. Uh, and asks him what the deal is with it. He he tells her to he like gets really mad at her for not being careful enough with it. Which 
is fair. I mean, it contains heroin, so obviously if she breaks it at all, he's busted. But also, like, she's been handling a baby uh, the last, like, she yeah. she knows how to be careful with stuff. Mm-hmm. At one point, she, like, taps it with her nail. Did you catch that? Maybe she's trying to, maybe she knows what's in there, too. Maybe. She's going for it. <laughs> Back out in the ocean, Sawyer tells Michael that the uh, the boat must have come from the island just because it is not a boat that is made for, like, out on the open ocean travel. Uh, and he blames, he starts to blame Michael now, saying that they were just going for Walt. Michael says, it's, Michael's basically like, yeah, don't say his name. And Sawyer says, what are you going to do, splash me? And then Michael does, yeah. and it breaks <laughs> apart Sawyer's raft, which, uh, again, very funny. This, that's a good bit. <laughs> Sawyer manages to crawl back up onto Michael's raft, uh, but Michael tells him that he has no idea what it's like to care for someone else, uh, which clearly uh, hurts Sawyer's feelings, um, which that's not the first time that's hurt Sawyer's feelings, too. Because Kate has basically said that before as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So clearly that is a sore spot for Sawyer. We get to our third flashback. And Michael enters the lawyer's conference room uh, to Susan with no lawyers. She says that she... This is so manipulative. It's so Like, this is truly evil. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, And then she says that she wanted to talk to him one-on-one... But if I were Michael, I would have my lawyer with me. 100%. Oh, when my you, God. When you are at the point where you're having to go to court so that you are allowed to, like, see your son. Yeah. Uh, you have to treat it like it's, like, an, uh, like an, a police interrogation. Like, exactly. Literally, if he had said anything in this conversation, she absolutely would have used it against him. Mm-hmm. So Susan says that she thinks that he's going to win, which I don't think is true. No. Like, I don't I don't understand why she's doing this. I feel like she's just going out of her way to be a bitch. But you, that's the thing, is like it seems like what she really wants to do is break Michael's spirit. Yeah. Which maybe that's my problem with this, is that that's what the writers want for the end goal to be for Michael. Mm-hmm. But the characters aren't justified enough in what they're doing for it to seem like... It, it feels like she just wants Michael to be broken. Not that she wants Walt. Right. That's that's what it feels like more. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. She asks him why he's doing this, also insane, <laughs> and brings up that, you know, she's the senior partner in Rome... Which, if you're a senior partner in Rome, you can be a senior partner in New York. Like, I just yeah. don't get her storyline. I don't understand her motives. Um, she's being so beyond selfish. Uh, she men- mentions that he is about to be evicted from his apartment and says that he needs to take care of himself and pursue art because he has such a rare talent as an artist. Um <laughs> I and then she ends it by saying it's not about you or me it's about him like okay well you're really making it about yourself right now Susan so yeah it's yes. just the most selfish exchange um but also like yeah unless Michael is like just straight up abusive or something like there's no world in which it's better for Walt to not know his father right like, it, it if there's like an issue there for sure then maybe Walt is better off raised by uh brian porter but uh, truly wild to be like oh yeah no this is good for walt his dad is having some trouble um making ends meet in new york city so it's just better that he never knows him ever 
and, right. and, and I won't answer any questions about him later on. <laughs> like, Is, Do you yeah. think that like the motive that they're trying to even hint to is that she doesn't want to pay like him child support or like i just don't understand like see that would be a lot more human and it also i think that what they maybe should have done is just show michael being more of a mess in his personal life yeah because then at least this would make sense like if michael like you know was missing the birthday party because he woke up late for his shift and he got fired like that kind of thing um would at least make sense for why but like there's just truly no reason that susan just doesn't want him to know walt yeah they should have explored that conflict more in the first season back at the hatch uh kate is uh escaping her bonds uh in the (laughs) in the pantry Uh, i guess she doesn't know it's a pantry yet but uh this so Having watched this episode multiple times now, uh, this element feels like a weird fetish scene for one of the writers. Yeah. I have um, in my notes unnecessarily horny for it. Yeah. Scene. Like, <laughs> it's, it's it's very too much. I, like Yeah. It it just she's because when I I was re-watching it and kind of going through my notes as I was doing so, and I looked away and then just with the audio, I just remember thinking, like, oh, is there a sex scene in this episode? I don't remember that. And then looking up and being like, no, it's just Kate, like, writhing around on the floor, sweatily trying to get out of her bondage. Mm-hmm. And you're just, I don't know. It it feels gross. The We've talked about it on this podcast before, but Evangeline Lily has said there was, like, multiple times um, in the show where she felt, like, taken advantage of. I don't know if this was one of those times, but I wouldn't be surprised if this at least was, like, one of the things that got her to start feeling like that. Yeah. Uh, It just feels weirdly exploitative. Mm -hmm. Um, And they also have her in an outfit that, like, is not what she would normally wear on the show. Like, it kind of is. It's all the same kind of stuff, but, like, the jeans are, like, insanely tight. The shirt mm-hmm. is too small and, like, rides up her belt. Like, it's just this weird... I don't know. It 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 made me uncomfortable watching it, I guess is what I should say. Like, it's, I... not Or not uncomfortable. I just felt bad for her. Yeah. It just especially knowing, like, you know, after things have wrapped up for Lost, just knowing how she kind of felt about it, too. Yeah. It's just kind of gross to see happen when it comes up. Uh, but that's uh, that's how it goes, I guess. Like, I, I don't know. I don't mind eye candy in shows. And, like, you know, we have the show with all these beautiful people. Um, and we've had stuff where, like, Sawyer walks up on the beach naked. Mm-hmm. And that kind of thing. But I just, I hate when, it, when they're, like, trying to trick us with it. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, this is where she really has to break out of the extension cord. Also, it's an extension cord. <laughs> like, how tight does she John Locke wrap that thing? She need to cut that. Yeah. She can just, like, <laughs> wiggle her wrist a little bit and be out of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Kate uh, manages to... Catherine Zeta-Jones her way out of these the extension cord handcuffs. Uh, she turns on the light, and it turns out she's in a pantry. Uh, what has got to feel like the absolute best thing ever after being stuck on this island for 44 days. Mm-hmm. It's all generic... Uh, food that's branded with like the Dharma logo. She grabs a Dharma brand chocolate bar, which is an Apollo bar. Um, and then she takes some more for later as well. 
And then uh, she escapes through a vent in the ceiling of the pantry. I love that she gets distracted by candy. By chocolate? Yeah, by chocolate. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I can definitely relate to that. What would you get distracted by in the pantry? What would you stop to take a bite out of? I don't know. I think... I think I might, if I'm stuck on an island, I probably any meat, right? Because mm-hmm. all you've had is like, you know, I bet you the fish is all right on the island, but like there's no way the boar that Locke is sometimes hunting is good. Mm-hmm. I, if there's like a, a can of Spam in there, I might be going for that. Yeah. I think I'd go for the pickles or the olives. Something oh, pickles kind of is a good call. Briny, yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, there's been no salt. Mm-hmm. For sure. Locke um, is explaining the crash to Desmond, who seems uh, surprised that the world is still out there. <laughs> so Desmond is, like, clearly a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. He asks how many people in uh, from the crash have gotten sick, and he also seems surprised that nobody has gotten sick so far. Uh, while they're having this conversation, a beeping starts playing from the speaker's. So Desmond has Locke go up to an old computer in that computer room and enter in the numbers, 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. Uh, when he does, the beeping stops and a 108-minute timer starts up again. So I think now we're kind of like, maybe a, like everything Desmond is crazy about makes sense now because uh, he has been awake every 108 minutes apparently to type in this thing to... Uh, for this timer. That man has um, not had REM sleep in years. Yeah. <laughs> As they're doing this, uh, Jack shows up and starts shouting for Locke. Uh, Kate tries to shout for Jack from the air vent, but Desmond has turned on make your own kind of music and it's too loud so he can't hear her. And we basically just see the events of last episode uh, with you know Locke being held at gunpoint and Desmond Uh, revealing himself to Jack and Jack recognizing him. Uh, Back out on the ocean, Sawyer sees a pontoon from the raft. Um, He tries to go for it, but he falls in the ocean again. He he has given his gun to Michael so that Michael can shoot the shark if it shows up. And we do see the shark has a Dharma logo on its tail. Uh, That was supposed to be there. Like, it wasn't like an accident that it was there. But apparently it was an accident that it was so visible. It was not supposed to be something, but like basically everybody saw it immediately. When I was a kid, I remember watching this for the first time on our TiVo or whatever and like rewinding it and freeze framing it and being so proud of myself that I had found like a little secret about Lost, even though uh, literally everybody had seen it already. (laughs) But yeah, something to be on the lookout for, I suppose, in the future is why the shark would have a Dharma logo on it. It starts to go towards Sawyer, so Michael does shoot at it, and we definitely see, like, a big spray of blood, so he did hit it. Sawyer makes it to the uh, other, to the pontoon, and they, like, transfer over to it. I gotta say, I don't know if I care about this too much. I think that this, I guess part of the survival aspect of them being out on the ocean is that there's a shark out there, and they gotta navigate around it. I would have preferred if it had just always been the threat of the shark rather than Michael shoots it with a gun. Yeah. Uh, it feels a little bit corny, and I don't know if I care about it too much. Yeah, I think that they could have given either one of them, like, a really great monologue that 
Yes. Never really seemed to happen. I like the relationship. Yeah. And I don't know. I would have been fine just kind of seeing them talk to each other more, ignore each other. Or, I don't know. I like their little domestic disputes. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think that you're right. Like, there totally was space for them to have, like, a real good dialogue about, like, family and caring for mm. other people and survival and all that kind of stuff out there that just, I got, you might as well just shoot at a shark instead, I guess. I don't know. Instead of jumping the shark, they're shooting the shark. Yes. <laughs> um... The next flashback, uh, Susan and Michael and Walt, uh, they all meet in Central Park. Susan's late, of yeah. course. Insane. Of course. I think we've said insane to, to describe Susan like <laughs> probably a she, dozen times this episode, but it's warranted. She's such a wild character. Like, she should have, like... Specifically, also, like, not tipped the cab driver as she yeah, was getting out. Right. Like, I mean, just why not just go all the way? Right. Um, Have her, like, push somebody in a wheelchair out of the way. <laughs> um, the, I, also, the plane leaves tomorrow and she's complaining about packing. Like, then let Michael and Walt have a day together. Like, yeah. It just, yeah. <laughs> like, she's just being so unnecessarily cruel. Yeah. So now Michael has to say goodbye to Walt in front of Susan. Ugh, it's another hard thing to watch. He can't introduce himself. Um, he got Walt a polar bear, which is kind of a fun callback to season one. And mm -hmm. another spooky thing that um, kind of ties into Walt's psychic power is that in The Greater Good, um, which was also written by Leonard Dick, which you mentioned at the top of the episode, um, mm -hmm. he asked Michael what would happen if they got attacked by a shark. So it's just kind of like a... Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's... Yeah. So I don't know. Just like little Easter eggs about Walt's ability, psychic ability, keep getting hinted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, Michael explains to Walt that he won't see him for a while and, and tells him that he loves him. Um, even Su Susan starts to get a little teary, hopefully a little regretful, I'd hope, of yeah. what she just put Michael and Walt through both. Um, but yeah, uh, she's off to Rome and uh, that's the last time that Michael see sees Walt for a long time. Yes, and I believe we might never see Susan again after this as well. Oh, really? I think well, I, I'm trying to think. She might okay show up me. in a Walt flashback, maybe. We don't see her in like a Vincent flashback or anything. Oh, if only, if <laughs> only we got a Vincent flashback. My God, um, that's what should have. There should have been Vincent as a puppy at the park meeting as well. Yes, yeah. Um. I do just want to say, as much as I am not crazy about, like, the the content of uh, all of the flashbacks, Harold Perrineau kills it in this. Like, he, he was pretty... It, you, you definitely feel it when he's in the boardroom, like, explaining yeah. how he doesn't know Walt's uh, uh, favorite food or whatever. But, like, truly, he just absolutely kills it in this scene, saying goodbye to him. You know, that's uh, why I like this episode... Yeah. Just regardless of the like content that doesn't really make sense, a lot of plot holes, but 
just Harold Perrineau kills it. Like he brings it 100% this episode and it's really, really fun to watch him and have yeah. that episode be centered around him. Yeah. I mean, my main complaint with this episode is that it isn't more centered around him, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Back at the, uh, back on the, the wreckage, the sun has risen. Uh, they made it through the night. Uh, Michael is crying. Um, which wakes up Sawyer. Sawyer asks if he's all right, and Michael says that he knows it's his fault, but that he's going to get back Walt. Um, and Sawyer kind of gives him this look of like, "All right, yeah, I mean, we're out in the middle of the ocean, dude." Uh, but turns out they've drifted their way back to the island. They see, I mean, nobody says "land ho," which is kind of a missed mm-hmm. opportunity. I know Michael was just crying, but uh, still. That was, um, like, the moment that could have been a great monologue for, like, Sawyer giving yes, Michael a mm-hmm. pep talk or, like, mm-hmm. Michael just having some reflection. Like, that's what I really wanted in this episode at that moment. Yeah. Give me some always darkest before the dawn as the yeah. sun is rising type stuff. Yes. 100%. They make their way on shore um, and uh, <laughs> immediately as they get onto the beach, um, Jin runs out towards them. Uh, he's screaming, and he's got his hands tied behind his back, and he is screaming about the others, which Hulu captions trans- put as utters, like Why U-D-D-E-R-S. Truly wild. Like, that's just how he's pronouncing it with his Korean accent, but, like, it obviously is the word other. Like, it's just such an... I don't know. It feels like someone was just maybe having fun with it. Because yeah. otherwise, that's, there's no reason for that. Uh, and then we see a group of people uh, who are extremely menacing looking. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up, like, just, we don't really see any faces or anything like that, but uh, coming towards uh, the the raft trio. Uh, and that's the end of the episode. Overall, I would say a decent episode. Like, I don't think it was bad. It just, I think it could have gotten, I don't know. I don't think it ever could get as good as the opening of episode one because that was truly fantastic but i think it could have been on the same level as for the rest of the episode in terms of the rest of the episode i think it could have been around the same level as episode one and i'm kind of just disappointed that it wasn't yeah me i mean i am too and i agree with you that it's like a decent episode but they just could have given harold perino so much more to chew on like he did such an amazing job with what that he had but we know as a viewer that he could have knocked it out of the park had they just given him more screen time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Feels like a missed uh, opportunity a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is episode 81 on IMDb. So kind of mid to bottom tier, I would say that's probably about right. And uh, next week, we'll be talking about Orientation, which is uh, the first Locke episode of the season. Extremely excited to see if we get a wig in that flashback. I don't remember if we do or not, but I'm sure if we do, it's going to be nothing but perfection. We didn't get a wig (laughs) this episode, and we had such a great one. You know, it. Yeah, actually, why didn't we get it? it there, Michael should have had an afro, yeah, uh, or like just the most absurd. Like, I'm trying to think who could have had a wig. 
I guess we could have had, uh, like, dreadlocks on Saul Rubinek. Yeah. Maybe that would have been good. I don't know. We don't really see him in the present, so that wouldn't make sense. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a drift episode two. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, thanks for listening. Listener, happy new year. Yeah, happy new year. We hope that you're all doing well. Obviously, we are. Emma is still recovering from having fallen into the polar bear exhibit yeah. at the Cincinnati Zoo. It was scary. Yeah, it was. And it's a bummer that they did end up having to shoot that polar bear Harambe style. I think mm-hmm. it's messed up. The internet's pretty upset with you. Yeah. Um, But, you know, what can you do? We go on. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five you, stars, if you don't mind. If you have any, you know, law-centered New Year's resolutions, you know, let us yeah. know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can email us. All the best podcasts at gmail.com. Tweet at us at all the best pods on Twitter. Yeah, should we come up with some? Do do you have a, a, a New Year's resolution for Lost? Mine is watch less Charlie episodes. Ooh, that's a uh, good one. We are doing all of this, all of the episodes like in order. So like, there's not really a way for me to make that happen. But that's fine because it's a New Year's resolution, and they're made to be 100% ignored by January 3rd. Mm-hmm. I think mine is to be more present when Vincent is on screen. That's a great, that's a great resolution. Yeah. yeah. And I think we can all learn something from that for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, and until next week, get lost. Get lost. Bye.